Happy New Year, everyone. This is SBT Overtime, and we're coming at you with Episode 7. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to cover the Columbus Blue Jackets and where they stand so far as of the first day of 2022, as well as what's going on elsewhere in the NHL. Uh, my name is Dan Groen, and today I am joined by Pat Weber. Thanks for having me up, Dan. Of course. So, where do we begin? Um, they have come back. Uh, after a couple days off, I think they missed five games. Their last game, I believe, was on December 16th, I think. Yes. And so hockey's finally back in Columbus. Um, not a very good start. They did beat the Nashville Predators um, in a shootout 4-3 to three on, it wasn't New Year's Eve, it was the day before that, I believe. And then New Year's Day, uh, we'll get to it. It's, yeah, it... <laughs> I will say, seeing them play against the Predators, it was nice, especially see uh, Line A back out on the ice, finally. Yeah, we do have a lot of people returning. We got Patrick Line A back. Emil Bemstrom also returned. He played a couple rehab games in Cleveland, um, so definitely nice to have them back. Oliver Bjorkstrand is on the COVID list, um, so having him back, having a, pretty much all of our offense back at full strength will definitely help on that end. Uh, so let's review these games. Let's go with the Nashville game. Um, like I said, they won four to three in a shootout. Uh, Boone Jenner had a goal. Uh, Patrick Line also had a goal in his return in the second period. And then Alexander Texier doing his thing in the third to tie the game or yeah, to tie the game up at three, uh, sending it into a shootout and Gus Nyquist, uh, scored the game winner in the shootout. Uh, what are our thoughts on that game? I liked how we played. It it looked like we were playing a complete game, which is something that you don't see very often out of the Blue mm -hmm. Jackets. But when we do play a complete game, you get a game just like that Nashville game. It was probably, I think it was one of our best wins on the year because uh, we're, as a program, known for not really doing well in shootouts and being able to do that, having Line A back and having his presence back almost immediately with that goal. It, it just looked good. We looked good, and it was it was nice to see. Yeah, we we really did, and when you kind of look at this season so far, we only have one overtime loss, which is pretty much the opposite of what we've seen under, like, John Tortorella, yeah. where pretty much our motto was, hey, at least we got a point. Yep. You know, <laughs> going to overtime, and it's like, all right, good game. At least we didn't lose in regulation. Um, so it is nice to see them actually finish out games beyond regulation, and they did play a complete game, like you said. I think they did very well offensively. They had they were taking a lot of good shots. Uh, I feel like under, I guess we'll get more to Brad Larson later on, but I, I feel like under him, whether you like him or not, you can't deny that there's a lot more offensive production under him. I think that players are not afraid to take shots now. They're, they seem to be a lot more drive offensively. And we did see that against the Predators. They did play a pretty good defensive game. Elvis did pretty decent. Wasn't his best game, but it certainly wasn't his worst. Um, one of his worst was this next one against the Hurricanes. Oh, <sighs> that that game, that game was like every Jackets. That was like a textbook Jackets game. Yep. For you those, give two periods a good hockey, and then one where you just throw it all out the window and forget what you're doing. For those who haven't watched. The Jackets were up four to nothing in the second period. The first period they went up three nothing with goals from Wierenski, Boquist, and Nyquist. Texier scored in the second, and then after that it was just abysmal. Seven 
unanswered goals from the Hurricanes. Daniil Tarasov was pulled at the end of the second. Um, I'm not exactly sure why that happened. I don't know if it was because the goals he allowed were just terrible to let up, but if that was a coach's decision and not some sort of injury or something else that we don't know of, that was just an absolutely terrible decision. That was by Brad Larson. The one thing I will say is with Elvis is because we did put Elvis in and um, he gave up five goals on 15 shots. Yeah. He looked horrible. And I just think that's because he's not a good goalie that you put in to close a game out. Like he's, he's a great normal goalie. Don't get me wrong, but he's mm-hmm. not one that you can just, you know, oh, throw out there to close out the game because he's never really been great with doing that. Like when we would do that, when we had Corpus Allo in and we'd yeah. throw Elvis in there, it's like you can tell that the talent's there, but he struggles. I think it might just be a mental thing. Like he was like, oh, I'm not going to get in. Then all of a sudden, you know, you get told, well, hey, you're going. I know they're ready at all times, but it might just come as like a shock, especially with Tarasov. He was playing, I think, I think it was probably one of the best games by a, a Jackets goalie I have seen. He, he looked good and despite that we are 0-3 when we play Tarasov, you have to look at the teams, too. Because I know I heard um, in an interview somebody was trying to bash Tarasov, and I was like, no. I was like, look at the teams. We played him against the Stars, only lost by one. Played him against the uh, Capitals, only lost by one. And we were winning Mm -hmm. in uh, Carolina. And for us to even have a game that close with Carolina was really something because their talent level is just beyond whatever we have. And that's why I was like, okay, we got two good periods and let's close it out. And then same old jackets. Yeah, experience. Blue jackets hockey. Yeah, but I agree with everything you said there. I think that, first of all, Elvis, we've seen over the last couple years, he is definitely much better when he is the number one guy, when he has to come in for relief or when he's like the 1B or the number two behind Corpusalo, he definitely struggles. Um like when I look back to the 2019-2020 season, when Jonas Corposalo ends up getting injured, he tears some something in his leg, something in his knee, uh, in a shootout. Elvis goes in there and they lose. I mean, you can't really blame Elvis much for that. But before then, Elvis really struggled as the number two guy. After that, he started playing lights out. He started playing at an all-star level, where Corposalo he was an all-star that year. So, and then I was able to actually get to a game where he was at that such a high level, and he was just this huge sensation. And when he is the number one guy, he is one of the better goalies in the league. But just these last couple weeks, I don't know what it is, but he's definitely struggled a lot. Right now, uh, if I could find this, he ranks 39th in goals allowed average with a 3.2. Now that also takes into account other like backups and stuff around the league. And also 30th in save percentage with .907. Now... I think a lot of that has to do with the outliers that were yesterday's game and a couple of the other previous games because I think he is very talented, like you said, but he just has to find that consistency and he has to learn how to play at that level no matter the circumstance. And so, and then going back to like Tarasov, he he started off a little cold in Cleveland this year and I'm, I'm a season ticket holder for the Monsters, so I've seen a lot of their games and I've I've... Definitely seen huge improvement with him. He's been lights out after the first couple games, which were a little rough. He's been absolutely lights out, and I think that he can definitely develop into a very, at at the very least, a very solid backup. And we kind of had those concerns heading into the year after the tragic loss of 
Matisse Kivlenix. Uh, that kind of changed our uh, plans for a goal for the uh, goaltender position, I think. Um, but now that Daniil Tarasov is definitely is he's definitely stepping up and developing into a very quality, high quality goaltender. Um, I think we can start having this discussion about Jonas Corposalo. Do you think that he's expendable? Do you think that we are going to trade him or that we should trade him by the deadline? I I think we should. I do think he's mm-hmm. expendable, especially with um, Tarasov. I mean, stepping up huge. That first game against Dallas, I, I did watch um, when he came in and starting. And the first couple goals he gave up were iffy. But you have to understand the pace is just so much faster once you get actually like into the NHL compared to what he's used to. Um, but he's he's picked it up very quickly. He's playing very well. I would like for us to actually try to finish out a game with him instead of just pulling him and or like giving him a chance. Yeah. I think we could have won against Carolina had we not done that. But with Corpusalo, it's he is an expendable piece because there are a lot of teams in the league that Corpy could fit well with, the teams that are struggling, um, especially in the goalie position. I think we could trade him, and I think we should. Um because he's slowly becoming a backup, and I know he doesn't want to be a backup for anybody. He wants to be the number one guy. Mm-hmm. And he's not a horrible goalie, per se. He's not the best. He's, a, he's a, an average yeah. goalie. I think that's comfortable to say. I think we could trade and get some good defensive pieces because our defense, it'll it'll we'll give two good periods on defense, and then, again, there's always one period in there that our defense is just, they just they're slacking off slower than everybody, not trying to hustle get the puck or anything and I think if we got a good veteran defender somebody else to slide in there I think it would be a huge improvement and um you get Corpy out of there you could get whatever you know he wants to do uh, but I think that's what we should do and it's what we need to do if we want to try to pick back up where we start out the season yeah I agree I think that he is definitely a piece that we definitely should look into trading especially if we're going to give Tarasov a lot of minutes I think that uh Corpusalo is definitely expendable because there are a lot of teams that could use a veteran solid goaltender. Like you said, he's not the best, but he is. He was an all-star two years ago. He's a very solid be- uh, goalie that you can have if you are weak at that position. And the fact that I call him a veteran, I still think he's like super young just because it seems like yesterday when he was on that Calder Cup yeah. winning Cleveland Monsters team. Um, but I think... One of the destinations, the trade possible trade destinations that stand out to me are the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they put Mike Smith on long-term IR at the, early on in the season, and since then their goaltending has been very subpar, and the Oilers cannot afford to have another season where they waste the talents of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So I think that if you can send them there, I don't know exactly what the return would be. I can't imagine it's super high. Um but maybe a team like the Oilers, where they're very needy of goaltender depth at the least, I think that they'd be willing to give up a decent amount. Do you do you think that they're a good uh, I agree. destination? I agree that the Oilers are a good one. Another good destination, I think, is the uh, Canadians, because Carey Price has been injured yeah. this year, and the uh, Canadians are just a downward spiral. I mean, they are one of the worst <laughs> teams in the league. Um, they're struggling very very they're just it's just it's kind of sad to watch in a way you know that you were in the stanley cup yeah and now you're just 
not even you're just not what you used to be i think they would be another good destination because they would be willing to give up some of their pieces i don't exactly know what you know maybe a couple uh good defenders and maybe like a draft pick maybe like one player one draft pick or something for corpy i think that'd be a pretty good return um but i could see him going to the oilers too because they've been struggling as well and they do need that veteran presence at um at goalie Mm -hmm. um I think both those are optional, um, but we'll have to wait and see just what we do. Yeah, the Canadians, like you said, they've been probably the biggest surprise of the year and not in a good way. They took a huge fall from grace from being in the Stanley Cup to now. I think they are the worst team, at least in the Atlantic. You know, you look at the Buffalo Sabres, you're expecting the worst from them, but they're six right now. Canadians are in dead last. I don't even think they have double-digit wins yet. So it's definitely... Definitely a surprising thing that we're seeing with them. Um, so as for the Jackets right now, they sit at 15-14-1 for 31 points and in, in six in the Metro division, which, as always, the Metro is just beyond loaded. Is this where you expected them to be at this point in the year, around New Year's? I'm going to say before the season started, no. Before the season started, I thought personally this was going to be one of our worst seasons on record. I had no faith coming into this <laughs> season because we made a lot of questionable moves in the offseason, a lot of questionable trades that I didn't personally agree with, especially with getting rid of uh, Cam Atkinson. I was very, very upset with that. Um, but that ended up being probably, I think, one of the best moves that we have ever done because Jacob Voracek, wow. Yeah. What, what a trade. I think we got a steal on that one. He's only scored one goal, but... The amount of assists that he keeps piling up is unreal. Mm-hmm. After the first couple of weeks of the season, I would expect us to be higher because we started off the season on fire, which is something I don't think I've ever seen from any Jackets team. Normally, it's we start off really cold, really slow, and then the middle, middle late part of the season, that's when we start picking it back up. But we've, we've fallen off a little bit. But um, to be where we're at now, I'd say it's above my original expectations still. Um, and like you said, the Metro is just stacked beyond belief. And the fact that we yeah. we were even contending in the top spot there for a while was something that I've never thought I would see. And I was glad that we did. And um, I think I think there's imp- room for improvement, obviously, but um, definitely above my expectations. Yeah, I would agree. And kind of to counter your point, I did like a lot of the trades that we did make over the offseason. Uh, I think that the Atkinson-Voracek trade, while... I, I definitely hated to see Atkinson go, for sure, because he was definitely one of our core guys. He loved being yeah. here. But at the same time, from a business decision, from a just looking at what they bring to the ice, Voracek, he is definitely one who's going to feed the puck to your Patrick Lyonnais, to your Oliver Bjorkstrands, where they may not necessarily drive the plays themselves. You know, for our non-hockey listeners, if you're listening, I like to compare Patrick Line to Clay Thompson, where he is one of the most dangerous shooters there are, but he's not necessarily going to drive the play all by himself. So having Voracek on that top line, on those top lines, with Patrick Laine, with Oliver Brookstrand, and a couple of your other sharpshooters was definitely a good fit. The Jackets are definitely winning with him, and the Flyers definitely got a good piece out of Atkinson with him because he's definitely more of a shoot-first kind of guy and that they definitely needed. So it was definitely a win-win for that trade. But getting Adam Boquist, getting pick that getting a couple picks and one of them being the one that we got Cole Sillinger with was definitely a win for in exchange for Seth Jones who hasn't really been 
doing much yeah, he's in been, the last couple of years. Yeah, he was he was underperforming a lot, and as much as I hate to say it, I did really like Seth Jones, but going in, I knew I didn't see a future with him anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I knew he wanted out. Um, honestly, I wish we could have traded him to somewhere different other than the Blackhawks and stopped making them so good every year, but it is but what it is. we fleeced him. Yeah, we did, and I'll tell you, Cole Sillinger has been... He's been a he's good young player, and I'm excited because I I see him staying with us long term. He's I have honest are you to say he might be one of our best players already. He's coming and up there. He's only 18 years old. He's got 11 points in 30 games, and he's only 18. He is definitely has a ton of upside. It's it's rare for any rookie, no matter what their age, to start right away full time in the NHL. Yeah. Sometimes you'll get them who, you know, they'll they'll play a little bit in the NHL. They kind of bounce between the the. National League and the American League, sometimes they don't even play until a couple years afterwards. Like Kirill Kaprizov, he was drafted in 2015. It was his rookie year last year, and now he's definitely taking off. But when you got a guy like Cole Sillinger who's automatically ma- making an impact like right out of the gate, like I said, 11 points in 30 games already, he is definitely has the potential to be a true number one centerman, top, one, uh, top two centerman on the team. I agree with that. Cause he watching him play, it's just, it's just fun. Cause you get mm-hmm. to like he he's giving it his all out there. Like he leaves everything out on the ice. Like it's it's really something to watch. Yeah, and you pair him with guys like Patrick Line. If we can keep him long term, I really want to dispel this notion of players don't want to be here and that we always have to get rid of them. And I guess a first step in that was with the whole Seth Jones thing. Was I'm I'm, I'm just fortunate that we were able to trade him because. He could have just been cut. He could have been. He could have walked away in free agency. But the fact that we did, that we were able to find a trade partner, and not just let him walk, like we've seen with Artemi Panarin, like we've seen with Matt Duchesne and a bunch of other players over the years. But it's just nice to see that. But that I knew that heading into the season, it was not going to be a very pretty season. Um, this is still a little bit better than what I expected. I thought that they'd be kind of hovering around five hundred maybe even a little worse. Um, but this is definitely not an instance where we need to be super concerned about what they look like this season because they're definitely building a very good core of young players for the future. Um, they added a couple veteran guys to help that in there. Like I said, Jacob Voracek, he's definitely been a huge addition. You still got guys like Max Domi in there. And then, in, like I said, if you can, if you can keep Patrick Laine for a long time, because he's only 23, I think, 22 or 23. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Keep him around for a long time. Keep him with some of your other veterans like Zach Wierenski and Oliver Bjorkstrand. Um, and if Elvis, Merle- Elvis Merzlikens can find some consistency, we do have a very bright future ahead We of do, us. and I think one reason uh, Patrick Laine might stay is I know he and uh, Coach Tortorella didn't get along very well mm-hmm. at all. Um, that's because I do have respect for Coach Tortorella. I really do. He reminds yeah. me of a Greg Popovich. He does stuff by the book, and it's old school. Mm-hmm. There's no, he wasn't a guy that you didn't care who you were, didn't care what your name was. If you weren't playing well, well, then you weren't going to be put on the ice. If you, you know, if you, you know, don't try at practice or something, yeah, you're not going to play. But the issue is in today's game now, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I think us getting rid of Tortorella was kind of telling Patrick Line, hey. We know you two didn't get along. That's why you weren't playing. That's why you were originally not too happy to be here. But now that we have a coach that's willing to play him, willing you know to feed the star on the team, 
I think I can see him staying for a while. And he's enjoying it. He's having fun back out on the ice. And it's it's fun to watch. Yeah, a lot of players are definitely finding themselves, especially offensively, in this new system under Brad Larson. Um, a couple players that really stand out to me, like Patrick Laine. Max Domi, he's definitely found his groove here. Uh, when we traded Josh Anderson for him, which I wasn't a huge fan of. I mean, I, I thought the return was good, but I really liked Anderson as a player. Yeah. I think he was definitely the type of guy that you'd want to have on your team. Even if he's not the most productive on offense, he just has that that physicality, that drive that you want out of a player. Um, but when we got Max Domi at first, it didn't seem like a very good fit. He was struggling, but... Now that he's under a system where it's more offensive-minded uh, as opposed to the defense-first scheme from Tortorella, he is definitely taking a lot more shots. He has a lot more drive, and he seems to like playing here. And I know a lot of people say that he is expendable, that they should look into trading him, but I think that if you can keep him around long-term to be in that kind of that same uh, age range um, with Wierenski, with Bjorkstrand to help with the very young players that we're going to be bringing in over the next couple of years. That'll definitely be beneficial. Are there any other players that have stood out to you, like that have definitely think, impressed you this I year? I think Bjorkstrand, because I knew he was a, a star. He showed that last season, a couple of seasons before. Mm-hmm. But this year he's really taken off. Um, I know last year it was a little bit slower for him. He still showed he was a star, deserves all the minutes on the ice that he was getting. But this year he's really he's come back and it's been strong. I think the new system, like you said, because under Coach Tortorelli, again, he's very old school. And mm-hmm. the way of doing stuff old school is just you play a lot of defense. So we weren't seeing very high-scoring games. We weren't feeding people the puck on offense as well. But now— Yeah, a lot of dump and chase. That's yeah. what I hated most about Torts' system. Yeah, it was, we don't see that as much now. Yeah, And it's, it's good. This new system fits him well. It's very offensive. And we know Bjorkstrand is a, he's very fast. He attacks— like no one else. I mean, he's to me, he's one of a kind, really. Absolutely. And, um, but him in this new system, it fits very well. That's why I, I think he's been probably the most surprising to me. And also Elvis, that surprised me too, because we knew that he was going to be good. I mean, other than like the past couple weeks, but I'm yeah. hoping he'll get over whatever uh, slump he's in. But going in, I, I knew he would be our number one, but I didn't know how it would go because I know that Elvis is still very young. And I was like, I don't know how it, how to feel about any of this. And then he you know came that out. Elvis and, and Corpusalo are both the same age. Really? Yeah. I, Elvis I was know drafted that. back in 2014 or 15. Wow. He was one of those players, like I said, that uh, kind of just found their groove late. They kind of they weren't quite ready for the pros until later on. And so I think they're both 26 or 27. Like, I didn't know that. I thought he was yeah. a lot younger than that because <laughs> I, you know, he only came around like last year. Yeah, that's kind of cool. But he's definitely found his fit again after. If you get out of slump. Just get out of the slump, man, please. Yeah. Like, I love you to death, but you can't can't give up five goals on 15 shots. Like, just don't. Right. But, just got to find uh, that He's been another one. And then, like we had mentioned a lot, Tarasov, Daniel Tarasov, he's showing that not only is he not only is he showing that he's ready to be playing up here, he's also showing us that we don't really need Corpusalo anymore. And he's also showing that, for me personally, I think Tarasov could become a future number one for us should Elvis ever choose to leave or we trade him I think the future is bright with Tarasov I think so too for sure um and then going back to Bjorkstrand I was a proud attendee at the 
uh, Cleveland Monsters, or then the Lake Erie Monsters, Calder Cup win where they swept the Hershey Bears, and Dorkstrand made that game-winning goal in overtime. And ever since then, he's been, I think, my favorite player on the team. Wierenski was also part of that team, and he has been one of my favorites to watch for this year. Um, there was a lot of questions about whether he was really as good as he was or whether it was Seth Jones that was making him as good of a defenseman as he was or as he is. But I think that it's the opposite. I think that Seth Jones, at least in the later years of his tenure with the Blue Jackets, I think that he's been he, he's definitely benefited from having Wierenski, who's definitely one of the better def- two-way defensemen in the NHL. And so I'm really glad that we were able to lock him down for the long term. Uh, same with Bjorkstrand. They definitely deserve the A's on their jerseys. Boone Jenner really has impressed me too. He definitely deserved the the captaincy taking over for Nick Foligno. Um, he's been one of the more efficient scorers for us. And so I think we have a really good veteran presence on this team that will help with our young guys coming in. A lot of good prospects to watch out for. Uh, like you said, Daniil Tarasov. I really like Tyler Angle with the Monsters right now. Potential uh, top line or one of the top centermen I think that we can have. Uh, he is he has eight assists in eight games so far. So very good for him. Uh, Jake Christensen, he was called up. I'm surprised he hasn't got any playing minutes, but he's one of those offensive-minded uh, D-men that I think can definitely help this team. I'm surprised he's hasn't... Uh, gotten any playing time and yet Scott Harrington was called up and I don't know I'm just kind of confused by all that but I really like the some of the prospects that we got um, other ones I like are Trey Fix-Wolanski one of the best uh, power play scores there are uh, Liam Foody is still down kind of developing in the AHL and he's definitely doing a good job down there um, so conversely are there any players that have been a disappointment this year for you um I think, even though I do love him, I think Alexander Texier, he's been a little cold, but Mm -hmm. he still has his presence felt on the ice. There's no one that's really been a standout disappointment other than, like, in the last couple games where you you just see, you know, our team just falling apart. Um, I think another person, I think, in my opinion at least, that um, was kind of falling off this was Bofquist. I was really excited to see yeah, him. Adam Boquist. Everybody, yeah, Boquist. My my apologies, <laughs> but um, he he hasn't been doing too much. He hasn't been doing too much. So at least not on the defensive end. I believe he had a minus three yesterday. Yeah. Um, on the plus minus. Um, but he's definitely an offensive minded defenseman. I think he's only like twenty years old. So we got one of Chicago's better prospects in that Seth Jones trade. So I'm. I, I like what I see from him offensively. I think he's good at driving plays. We just have to see more defensively, and I think yeah. that'll come with time because our defensive core is very young. Uh, Gavrikov, he's still pretty young, but he's at this point one of the more experienced ones. I like the Jake Bean trade. We got him for essentially nothing. I think he's a very solid uh, bottom bottom four defenseman. Um some of my disappointments this year, I wasn't expecting much from Sean Corrali. I think it was good that we got a hometown kid to kind of solidify, kind of bring something to those uh, bottom lines down there. But, and it's not the production that I've been disappointed with. It's been the, he's had a lot of turnovers. He hasn't had much of a, he hasn't had that good of a two-way game as of late. So I really want to see more out of that. Jack Roslevic, another hometown kid from Columbus, he hasn't matched his production that he had when he first arrived in Columbus. 
I was kind of worried that that was a fluke when he first arrived and he was even outperforming Patrick Laine. Um, I thought that that was just, you know, like a like a little hot streak that he got yeah. that would eventually cool down. But I would like to see him kind of bring that back. I believe he had an assist or two uh, during the last couple games. but And then one more is Eric Robinson. He has that speed, you know. You can't you can't bring up his name without bringing up speed. Yeah. Uh, at least if you're uh, Jeff Rimmer, um, he's got drive. He has breakaways all the time. I really like his skill. He just can't ever finish, and that's what's frustrating about him. He can have a breakaway where it's just him, and then he'll fire wide right or wide left, and or it, just not yeah. get the shot off at all. His accuracy is definitely um, something they need to improve on. I think he will, but it's just that for this season, it is a little frustrating because there's so many times when it's like you know we could have won that game had we got that one goal or yeah we could at least force an overtime and we've been doing better this year in overtime and in mm-hmm. um beyond regulation um but it's something that's i think it's just got to come with time I, I just hope it can because a lot of these prospects you're you're waiting for that time to come you know i know that foodie and texier and bemstrom are still young but at some point if they're going to be the prospects that everyone hypes them up to be they really got to take that next step. And same with Robinson. I really like his skill, but he's just got to... It, it reminds me of Sonny Milano. He was yeah. very skilled when he was with us. I saw a lot of upside in him, but he just did not have that consistency. And now you look at him with the Ducks right now. Now he's one of their best scorers. And you kind of saw that upside there with him when he was here, when he was bouncing between Columbus and Cleveland. He was very good in Cleveland um, when he was kind of up and down. But it it is nice to see him. No matter where they go, it's nice to see them kind of finding their themselves in other with other teams. Yeah. Um, you know, like there's a lot of former Blue Jacks players on the Panthers. Uh, Josh Anderson, I really liked what I saw from him in the Stanley Cup. Uh, even like I said, even though he was not like the most proficient scorer, he was definitely someone that you want to have on your team to bring that physicality and grit to your team. Um. So, are there any players right now? We're kind of nearing the All Star break. I'm, do you know exactly when that is? I believe it's um, sometime after uh, the NBA's All Star game. Yeah, I know. I know it's after the NBA All Star game. I'm not sure when the All Star break is though. But, but it's near. It, it is nearing time to consider it. Are there any All Stars or potential All Stars that you see uh, on the Blue Jackets right now? Absolutely. Um, I can tell you right now that Oliver Bjorkstrand deserves it. He does. He's he is that good. I I love Bjorkstrand so much. I I, oh like God. I said, he's been one of my favorite players since June twelfth, twenty sixteen. I love I love watching him play. He's definitely Actually before oh. then because he was uh just I think he was averaging a point per game or a goal per game during that whole uh historic playoff run with the Monsters where they swept uh three of their four series. Ooh. They only lost like two games in that entire playoff run. So it was it was incredible to see him there, and I just love that we have him long term, and that he's taking that extra step into being one of the most underrated scores in the entire league, in my opinion. I agree with that. But yeah, I would put him in if Line a wasn't injured for so long. I think, I think he can still make it though, because he's averaging a goal again or a point per game. He's yeah, at, I, I think he can make it, especially you know he's a big name and people get drawn in by the big names. But he's also been playing very well. If he mm-hmm. wasn't injured for so long like you said um 
he would be a for sure pick in my mind, but yeah. they might take that into account. Um, I would also say that if Elvis can go back to being the Elvis we saw at the beginning of the season, that he would have a chance to be a um, potential all-star because he at one point was in the top 10, I know, uh, for save percentages. And um, the le- he was one of the people that had given up the, uh, one of the goalies that had given up the least amount of goals per game to start off the season. And um, I mean, but since then he's kind of fallen off a little bit, but I think he could be a good potential one and definitely Boone Jenner. Definitely yeah. Boone Jenner. He he deserves to be an all-star. He's been leading this team, and uh, I want to see him out there for that. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. There are a couple of players who I think should definitely be in consideration for all-star. I think Zach Wierenski is definitely one of them, one of the better two-way defensemen in the league. Um, line A, if he stays healthy, he's got a 4-7-11 scoring line in 11 games. Uh, definitely found himself here under Larson's system. And now they just got a couple playmakers because that's what he was really lacking in his first year and a little bit in Winnipeg too was someone to feed him the puck. Now they just got that. He's playing to that level that we were expecting out of him when we traded for him, when we traded uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois for him. So I just, I don't think Elvis is going to make it just because there's so much, so many other good goaltenders out there. Uh, Vasilevsky, of course, being one of them. Um, A lot of good ones in the, in uh, up in Canada too, they kind of have struggled over the years with that, but they got some really good goaltenders up there, like Campbell for Toronto, uh, Calgary. They got Markstrom, uh, Anderson for Carolina has been very good. Um, so I just don't think that Elvis is going to quite make it, but he definitely has that potential if he can find himself. Um, and then maybe Voracek. I think he's one of the more underrated underappreciated players there are he's got 22 points 21 or i think 23 points 22 of them being assists and so he's definitely one of the best playmakers there are um so yeah i really i really like some of the guys that we have here to make the all-star break or to make the all-star game um so let's kind of look around elsewhere in the league uh are there any teams that you it's early right now but who do you think has the best chance of making the Stanley Cup? I think of making the Stanley Cup, I definitely think the Hurricanes are up there. Um, and honest, I mean, the Lightning are always going to be yeah. in the conversation because they're the powerhouse. They're the Golden State Warriors, basically, yeah. of the NHL. Um, so the Lightning, um, another one, like I said, is the Hurricanes. They have a very, very good, strong team. Mm-hmm. And... After that loss that they had, I mean, I'm still kind of salty about that. But um, (laughs) they're always um, tough to play. Yeah, Uh, another one, honestly, is the Blackhawks. They've been playing, they've been been playing decently. I think. I think they have a chance to slide in, not as a real high seed, but I think they could surprise a lot of people come time for the playoffs. Um, I think if we, uh, Blue Jackets, at least, if we can pick up what we had at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And manage to maintain that instead of hitting, you know, we hit like, oh, look at the win streak we have and then slump into like a five game losing streak or so. If we can find our consistency we had at the beginning of the year, I think that the Blue Jackets seriously are contenders and I think we could be up there too. Um, but it's just getting out of the Metro division is so, it's just so difficult. Yeah, I'd have to agree. With, with most of that, I don't think that the Blue Jackets 
with how the Metro is right now and with how young their core is right now and in- inexperienced they are, especially with the new head coach, um, I just don't think they are going to have it in them. They won't have the experience in them to make it, especially in the Metro where you got teams like Carolina, where you got teams like the Capitals, where Ovechkin is just playing out of his mind. He's breaking records with almost every game. In fact, on New Year's Eve, he just moved up to first place all-time in power play goals and surpassed Phil Esposito for third all-time in game-winning goals. And at his pace right now, he's probably going to surpass Yarmir Yager for third place in all-time goals, and he's going to do it in like, like 400 less games. So if he ends up having the longevity that Yager had or that Gordie Howe had, I can see him move up to first place all-time. Beyond Wayne Gretzky. Easily. He's Alex Ovechkin is just he's a special player. He I think he's the greatest hockey player of all time. Easily. I mean, he is doing things that people never thought they would see again. And I mean, he's still young considering everyone else that you're all the big names. And yeah, the, you, with with NHL greats, a lot of them just have so much longevity. Yeah. I mean, Gordial was playing in the pros until his fifties. Yeah. And I believe Yager, who's Reaching up there, he's still playing in Europe right now for some minor team or whatever. But, yeah, it's just unbelievable the history that we're seeing. And hockey is definitely one of those sports where I hate to compare players with each other when it comes to rivalries because for a long time, you know, it was all about who's better, Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin. Well, they're two entirely different players. Ovechkin is a goal for, uh, is a is a shooting first, goal-scoring winger, whereas Crosby – He's been one of the best playmaking centers of our generation, or probably the best of our generation. But I just don't like comparing them like that because it's 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 a team game. Yeah, you know you can point to all the cups that Crosby has, but that doesn't mean that Ovechkin is any worse. Yeah, I the way I kind of view it is for people like you don't watch the NHL or anything is I view uh, Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby as like a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers comparison. Yeah. is how I view it. It's like. I think Alex Ovechkin is honestly the uh, Aaron Rodgers of the two because I think Aaron Rodgers' talent level is just way better than Tom Brady. Yeah, but Tom I, Brady's I, I got agree. the rings and he's always had the team around him. Where Ovechkin sometimes he is the whole team at times. Yeah. Um, that's how I view both of them. That's how I give the comparison. Where it's like I think overall Ovechkin um, is better, but Sidney mm-hmm. Crosby's got all the you know the awards. He he's also breaking all the records too. But yeah, in the long run, I mean, Alex Ovechkin is just wow, wow. Yeah, and I was very, I was, I hate the Capitals, and I hate some of the players there, especially Tom Wilson. Oh, oh I could just say, <laughs> I, I, I just, I hope the worst for him. <laughs> but when it came down to the first, the inaugural year of the Vegas Golden Knights going up against the Washington Capitals. I was low-key rooting for the Capitals only because I really wanted to see Ovechkin win the cup for the first time. He definitely deserved it. Um, and as for the as for Vegas, I've really learned to hate them over the years yeah. because they were just pretty much handed a Stanley Cup caliber team and they're able to maneuver around, you know, cap space and all that kind of stuff. And the fact that they're getting like original six treatment in their first couple years, whereas the Blue Jackets have never even been considered to like hold you know some sort of like winter game or whatever yeah. it's just um i don't know i just feel like there's a lot of favoritism with them um but anyway going back to this year i think that the hurricanes i think 
they definitely have the talent to win the cup. I think what they lacked last year was when it came to playing against a team, a loaded team that's playing $18 million over the salary cap. That was the Tampa Bay lightning was that they just didn't have quite the experience. They're a very young core that I thought had the talent for sure. And they just needed another year or so in order to m- make it to that, to, to get over that hump pretty yeah. much. And then I also said the same thing with the Colorado avalanche. I think they're my favorite to win this year in the okay. West. The talent is definitely there. They got McKinnon, uh, Nazem Kadri is playing out of his mind. They also got, I think, the best two-way defenseman in the entire league in Kale McCarr. Um, I didn't like the fact that they lost Grubauer to Seattle, but their goaltending has definitely been solid for the most part. And if they can stay healthy, that's been the issue with them for a long time, was being able to stay healthy, being able to keep a good team out there without getting too injured. I think that they can definitely be one of the best teams in the league and win I the agree. West. And I also love Jared Bednar. I know he's gotten a lot of criticism, but again, going back to that Calder Cup year, he was the head coach for the Cleveland Monsters at the time, and I really liked when he went to the Avalanche. And for that reason, the Avalanche has been my number two team for the last couple of years. So they, I think that my early prediction for the Stanley Cup this year is going to be Carolina versus Colorado. Okay. I can agree with that. I could, I could see that happening. And, um, but I think if that did happen, I do think the Hurricanes would take it just because I think their talent is just a little, just a little bit higher. You know what I mean? And they're, mm-hmm. I mean, they're just playing insane right now. I mean, I think they're a little more deep with their yeah. scoring. I think they have a better four lines out there. Whereas Colorado, I think sometimes with their bottom two lines, you don't know what you're going to get out of them. Yeah, per they're, se. they're like a in, little inconsistent. Yeah, like when you watched them in the playoffs last year against Vegas, it just, it just, it just wasn't there. It's like that drive from those bottom lines without McKinnon and Landeskog and all those guys and Rantanen just wasn't quite there. And so I think that with the experience that they're getting now, they got a lot of good young prospects now. I think that they can match up very well with teams like the Hurricanes or the Lightning or maybe even Washington. Um, so a lot to look forward to there. Uh, did you happen to watch any of the Winter Classic? Um, I did not. I forgot it was going on. Which normally I always watch the Winter Classic, but yeah, it doesn't feel like it hasn't felt like winter. You know what I mean? Like yeah. normally there's snow outside. Well, and then, down here what? it hasn't, but up there, negative ten degrees Ooh. with a minus twenty four wind chill or something like that. Ooh. Just absolutely Lord. brutal. It was a it was entertaining to watch. It was a very high scoring game, which you kind of would expect, um, just because the goalies. I mean, they're just you know standing there. They're probably freezing their butts off. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was pretty entertaining. Um, it was tied at one in the first period. St. Louis came back with five goals, five unanswered goals. You know, not that we know what that's like yeah. at all. Um, and then five unanswered goals. Minnesota Jackets could never. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Uh, and then Minnesota ended up coming back and bringing it back to within two. Final score, St. Louis 6, Minnesota 4. Uh, it was pretty entertaining to watch. It was. I give the fans a lot of credit for sticking in there, or, you know, staying in there, sticking with it. They, there was a point where they panned to, there's these people who had these cups of coffee that were hot when they got them. They were, you know, dumping them upside down because they were just frozen solid. Whew. And I just don't know how, I mean... I would love to be part of that. I would love for Columbus to hold one. I think that if they were to 
have a game at the shoe against a team oh, yeah. like either Pittsburgh or Detroit, I think it would fill a lot of stands. I think it would fill just up the stands. Get get a good rivalry game going on in the Winter Classic. I would love to see that. I would go. I, I would. It could be like negative fifty for all I care, and I'd still go. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm not I, missing I, that. I don't know about that. But yeah, it would because it is a once in a lifetime experience. I think that it's definitely a excellent thing, an excellent tradition that they started. I personally like that New Year's Day tradition better than the bowl games because real they you guys were talking about it on air earlier the bowl on, games uh, they're just they're pointless now yeah. i mean there's just so many of them and they're ridiculous yeah. it's like what's can, the point yeah the the bowl games are just when you're a t- when you're a fan of teams like ohio state if it's not the, the top 4 they mean nothing yeah. if, if you're like akron like us and you make the famous idaho potato bowl or even like the tax act whatever is like the tax act the fruity pebbles bowl whatever yeah. it is i don't care the cheese it bowl yeah, <laughs> whatever. I mean, the, the oh, there, there, there was another one. Which one was it? the Tony the t- it was the like Tony, Tony the, the Tiger, Tiger Sun Bowl? Yeah, oh, you make man. one of those, but for I mean, if, yeah, then you got a nice bowl on your on your yeah, and, and it looks good. Know. It's like well, you know, we're we're like a low yeah. program, but it yeah, is look at us. We want a bowl, but you know, it's it's just completely useless. It's Tony the one. Tiger Bowl. <laughs> yeah, when if but. it's not the top, if it's not the Final Four, it's just meaningless. And so yeah. when I watch teams on the ice in frozen stadiums where people show up no matter what, even though if it, even if it's a baseball stadium where it's like minus 20 degrees, where you really can't see much, it's still just a really cool tradition to have that. Uh, and I think one of my favorite things about that is the jerseys they come out oh, with. Oh, I love those jerseys. I really like St. Louis's, and then I absolutely love Minnesota's. They have I saw like Minnesota's these, on a, the NHL Instagram, and whew. Yeah. They're like these khaki-colored pants. They have like these, uh, and the gloves, and they have the, yeah. these leather patches on their shoulders and i would just love to see what columbus's would look like i would i i want to see with like the next uh five ten years hopefully we get one in columbus because that minnesota would be... came in the league the same year as columbus there's absolutely no reason why columbus can't hold one people just overlook what the what we have in the blue jackets it happens every year but the nhl just hates us yeah i mean it, it's hard though because they do try to get all the big market teams and the jackets are very very small market um but the amount of fans that the Blue Jackets do have, despite being a um, a small market team, is insane. I mean, Columbus yeah. and all of Ohio, we love the Blue Jackets. It's so. definitely growing, for sure. At least over the last couple years, I think a lot of it had to do with their continuous success with John Tortorella finally making the playoffs year after year. I think a lot of it also had to do with the Cleveland Monsters uh, winning that Calder Cup and seeing a lot of those guys like Bjork Strand, Josh Anderson, Zach Wierenski, Corpus Allo, all those guys moving up. I think there there are a lot of people that I know, including myself, who have really... I, I've always liked the Jackets, but they really solidified my fandom after the Calder Cup because then I was able to see those guys take the next step. Yeah, I, so I agree with that. You're seeing a lot more Blue Jackets fans up here in Northeast Ohio than ever, and it's, it's really good to see because for the longest time, this was all Penguins territory. Yeah. A lot of Detroit fans, kind of, you know, more toward Cleveland. But now that we're seeing Columbus kind of having more sustained success, I think that'll definitely help our case in bringing an outdoor game to yeah. Columbus. And when I was watching the Jackets, when I started, um, I'm from like a more southern part of Ohio. People don't really watch hockey too much. Yeah. When I was when I was growing up in school, there were only two of us that watched hockey, and the other guy was a Penguins fan. So. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I always went to a couple Jackets games. You know, my dad would surprise me, get them, and I'd go and I'd I'd have fun, but. 
the jackets are really starting. Hockey in a whole now is becoming more popular. And I really yeah. like to see that. Especially with that new contract that the NHL has with ESPN. I yeah. really like how they've been doing that. Now you're not going to get playoff games on CNBC. Yeah, you know? it's going to be, it's good. It's fun to watch because I always think hockey is the, the most underrated sport. It's the most a lot exciting of, one out of all it of them, is. I, I think. I, I completely agree. I love hockey. It's probably, it's definitely my second favorite sport because football is still, football yeah. is football. But hockey is definitely, it's growing. The fan base is growing. And then with them adding in um, the Seattle Kraken, mm-hmm. I know that helped explode really a huge new fan base out of um, the West over there. And it's really For something sure. to watch. I mean, it's yeah, fun. It is nice to see the Pacific Northwest get another team to rival with Vancouver. I always yeah. thought Seattle should have a team. And that'll probably open the door for the NBA to bring back the Supersonics, I would think. I would hope. I would, I'd love to see um, the Supersonics come back. And then also, I don't know what other team, if they gave one back to, um, oh, where, where were the Grizzlies before they moved to Vancouver? Memphis? They were in Vancouver. If they did like a Vancouver-Seattle thing, I think that'd be very fun to watch. Because then you get another team back up in Canada instead of yeah. it just being the, the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Hockey is the best game there is. And... If you haven't watched hockey, please do. So uh, that's all that we have today on this episode of SPT Overtime. My name is Dan Groen. I'm Patrick Weber. And tune in to Sports Power Talk every Sunday at 11 on 88.1 WZIP. Uh, also, subscribe to SPT Overtime. And if you missed the latest Sports Power Talk, you can catch segments of it on SPT Rewind, which is also another one of our brand new podcasts. So please check that out. Happy New Year to everyone, and go Blue Jackets.